This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome, Welcome to, to The Verse. Verse. Hey, everyone. We're going to get the show started now with some news from every corner of the cinematic universes we know and love. We're going to cover the MonsterVerse with the release of Godzilla vs. King Kong, the second Suicide Squad trailer, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and the new Spider-Man movie, No Way Home. Then we're going to recap episode 3 of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, give our takes, and speculate about the Easter eggs and the theories that I'm sure you're dying to hear about. Be sure to stick around till the end, because there might be a post-credits scene. If you're a faithful listener, you might remember last week we almost killed Norm with laughter, or I almost killed Norm with laughter. Just an occupational hazard of ours, one of many. So we're about to start the show, but first, let's say hi to the team. I'm Emilia. I'm Norm. Still alive. (laughs) I'm Lucas. And I'm Bridget Brogan, and this is The Verse News. What did the squad come up with this week? Well, I was extremely excited about the MonsterVerse because I've been a huge fan of King Kong, Godzilla forever since I was a kid. And they dropped the latest uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, which I've not yet seen because I've been waiting for tonight to watch it on the big screen and to really make it an, a special event. Are you guys also uh, monster fans? Yes. Not really. And has, has anybody seen it? No, I haven't. No, not yet. Nope. <laughs> Now, Lucas, are you going to actually go in theaters to see it today? No, I only got my first shot. So I'm like, uh, in, in three weeks from now, I will probably be going, well, maybe a month from now, I'll probably be going. And I'll tell you, I would actually go to the theater, even if I, you know, to see it a second time, uh, I would definitely go to the theater, the theater to experience it for sure. Now, do you have a favorite of like the Kongs versus the Godzillas or like standalone Godzillas versus standalone Kong movies? I love the early Godzillas. That's kind of what I grew up on. So there's a, I have a soft spot in my heart for them. But in the recent releases, the uh, the, the remake of, of Godzilla was really good. Um, way better than I think people ever gave it credit for. And then this, the second one, Kong and Skull Island, is so much fun. It's weird. It's like a, I think it's going to be a cult movie because it's like a mashup of Vietnam action movie, you know, war movie and monster fighting. It has an incredible cast. And it's funny because so many people just don't like that one. But it, I like that one. Um, Honestly, the, Kong Skull Island is my favorite Kong movie. Like, it's hands so down. Fun. I love that movie. It's, Probably because yeah. it stars Tom Hiddleston. But that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit underused in it. Um, I wish they kind of did more with his character. But it's a great cast. And the, the, the one before this one, King of the Monsters, was not very good. But it had some awesome like monster battling. So I'm really excited about this one. It's getting good reviews. I would love to hear from our, you know, listeners what they think. Not to ask like an insensitive question about the monsterverse, but how do you make a concept, a movie concept like that's about giant lizards coming out of the water or like giant gorillas climbing buildings and stuff like how do you make that good, <laughs> interesting <laughs> compelling um worth paying $15 to go to theaters to see I I just um I was curious about like it's an honest question uh, I'm just curious curious to hear your thoughts that's a wonderful question I mean what they keep trying to do is lean on the monster fighting which I love to watch but um to make a really good one you kind of have to care about the human characters and that's something that they keep messing up in like the original Godzillas were really fun and granted, like, you know, it's not like there was a ton of character work in those, but, uh, and there was guys in, you know, out, like suits battling each other over like tiny cities. But the, um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing they keep messing up in all of these is they just don't create really compelling characters. For example, though, in the, uh, Kong Skull Island, the best character in that, that you actually care for is, uh, John C. Riley. He's like, you know, stranded on this island for decades. And he actually kind of has a really good character arc and you really feel for him and he's the comic relief, but he all, there's all the pathos through his character. So I think that's what tends to make a really good one. And I think they mostly come up short, unfortunately. So what else we got for the news this week? Well, Spider-Man um, No Way Home finished officially filming. So now they're moving into post-production. Uh, I don't know if anybody heard, but it seems like this is... this. Movie fulfills uh, 
Tom Holland's contract. So right now he is up in the air if whether or not he will be coming back to the MCU. Yeah, I know. I'm not ready to part with Tom Holland. I really like him as it, Spider-Man. He's really I was good say, Is he your favorite Spider-Man? I know. Yeah, I know. It's just Six the movies. same thing. He is my favorite. Yeah, but his were like so back to back to back. Like he, he yes. was in like the, all the um, it was in Civil War, then Infinity War, then Endgame. So he was like constantly on screen for several films in a row. Whereas like that was like the same amount of movies for like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. But their movies were spaced mm-hmm. out over the course of a decade um, and more. So I know I'm from not a, ready to see him go. From a career standpoint, but I think from a career standpoint, he'd be smart to to stop early and really try do like the route of uh, uh, what's his Harry Potter name guy. Oh, Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe, like super smart. He like that series ended and now he gets to do all these weird, quirky films. Um, Robert Pattinson, same way. Like he, you know, was uh, in the Twilight series and then he like now does the most awkward, weird, fun films as well. Like a lot of indie stuff. So I think from a career standpoint, I would understand why Holland leaves. But I agree with Bridget. I think he's done a great job and I would like to see him in some more. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I actually think he's a pretty good Spider-Man. I think Andrew Garfield didn't get a fair shake because he was just in the bad Spider-Man movies. But Agreed. I think he's a better actor than than what was showcased in those yeah, films. Yeah, but that's why I'm glad to not have him as Spider-Man. He is a, he has a lot of range. He's a very good well, actor, so I'm happy to see him in a lot of other stuff too. So, Well, that's one of the rumors that are it's on set, right? That uh, Yeah, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and, are going to be making an appearance in Spider-Man Far From Home. Or No Way Home. No Way Home. I am probably, this is what I am most excited for. Uh, the cast was revealed for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming to Disney Plus. And I cannot tell you how excited I am for this because Ewan mm-hmm. McGregor will be reprising his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Star Wars prequels. And Hayden Christensen will be reprising his role as Darth Vader. And I am so stoked for this. I cannot even tell you that duo is my favorite duo from the Star Wars franchise, hands down. I mean, Ewan McGregor is my all-time favorite actor besides Star Wars. In fact, I didn't even know he was in Star Wars when he became my favorite actor. It was like a weird thing that happened. I was watching the prequels. And then all of a sudden, I was like, is that Ewan McGregor? But anyways, um, also, he just turned 50. So happy birthday if he ever sees this. But I am so, so, so excited for this. I think that they're so good in the prequels that I've been wanting to to see them take on another part in the universe. Bridget, you read all of the the comic books and the books and and all the of the universe. You read all this stuff. Yes. How does Vader and Obi-Wan have a meeting or a fight in between, you know, the ending of the the Revenge of the Sith whatever and then the when they meet again in New Hope? Like it, it turns out they were like hanging out all the time like how are they going to shoehorn this in and make it have it make sense i'm gonna have to admit i have not gotten there yet chronologically in the timeline yet i am still reading so i i can get back to you on that question (laughs) but we sort of learn a little bit about them in like more the clone wars and the rebels i would say definitely star wars rebels which is the animated series Mm -hmm. it does follow their story arcs between the end of revenge of the sith and then a new hope it's kind of shows like where they've been, what they've been doing. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new series, is supposed to be, I believe it's 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, if I remember correctly. Um, and so it's going to be when Luke and Leia are like kids still. Hopefully we're going to see Obi-Wan, like how he arrived in the desert after he dropped off Luke and things like that. I'm actually really excited about it, too, because it. I think Obi-Wan Kenobi is probably the best character in all of the Star Wars films. He's definitely the most badass Mm-hmm. For sure, he's yeah. he he lops off mm-hmm. arms and and torsos like like no tomorrow. So yeah, so I'm excited. He's my north star for sure. Well, I just think it's funny that the prequels were like crapped on for such a long time compared to the original Star Wars trilogy, and then once the sequels came out, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, the prequels are amazing!" Like well, I was like, "Guys, you're bandwagoning this." As a, <laughs> as a lifelong Star Trek fan, I can tell you that's common. Like yes. people hate the new things yeah. and all the, the fans get all crazy and, 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 you know, worked up over it. And then with enough time, people remember and they can look back with like, you know, 2020 and realize, OK, there were some things that were done really well. There was things that were done not so well, but we can learn to love it. 
Obi-Wan Kenobi has been my favorite character for so long. And in the beginning of The Force Awakens, there's like a moment where like he speaks, his voice is heard when Rey is like finding she has powers. And I got to tell you, I lived on that one line he had for like three, four years when those movies were coming out. <laughs> I convinced myself so hard that he was going to come back and he was going to like have this huge role in the last film. And then that didn't happen. And I was so sad, so disappointed. But now he's getting his own show. So honestly, yeah. like I've been elevated again. So in the casting, was there any specific casting you were really excited about beyond Hayden Christensen? Honestly, Hayden Christensen, I wasn't sure if that was going to happen or not. I really was not sure if they were going to bring him back because he's Darth Vader now at this point. So I was it was like, maybe they're just going to use James Earl's voice again. I didn't know. So I'm intrigued because I don't know if they're going to do flashbacks, which I think would be awesome uh, of the two characters. And honestly, I think Hayden Christensen did a great job as Anakin. So mm-hmm. I'm so excited to see that. And the rematch of their lightsaber battle that was on Mustafar. I just can't wait for that. I need that rematch. That's all I ever wanted. We'll definitely be covering this on the verse for sure. Absolutely. When that series drops. You know, uh, I got to say, besides the Obi-Wan Kenobi news, I am super excited to hear that The Witcher season two has just finished filming. I was a huge fan of season one as well as, as the games and the books. Uh, anybody else here a Witcher fan? I really like this the, the first series. I've played some of Wild Hunt. Is Wild so. Hunt the the sequel the sequel to the game, the second game of it? Or? It's the third game, third I game. believe. Okay. Yeah, it was. Now the Witcher is Henry Cavill with blonde hair, right? Well, like gray. Hair? It's yeah, it's silver silver gray. gray. Hair? Yeah, long silvery gray hair. I've never actually seen the show, but he pops up on my Instagram page quite often. I don't know why. It's like it's like tailored for me or something. He's a huge it. geek. Besides playing Superman, uh, yeah, he was actually yeah he was late to his audition for Superman because he was uh, playing Fortnite or I can't remember what exact game it was, but he's playing a, a a multiplayer game and ran late and then ran to his uh, audition for Superman, which is pretty funny for me. I mean, I played the game a little bit, and wow, then I awesome. watched. I watched the show, and I, I, I was like, that was one of my favorites when it came out because I thought they had the balance of a uh, you know actual drama and action, but then they had it tempered with some good humor, and uh, it definitely felt like it captured the spirit of the game. I was a little skeptical of him being uh, Geralt, um, and then you know because I thought he's too much of a pretty boy. Uh, especially after playing Superman, but I'll tell you, no, he he did a fine job. No, I, I think he did an absolute fine job as Geralt. He was just awesome. Yeah. Anyway, shall we move on? Shall we go to uh, the he recap? Certainly looked the part. Yes, he does. Yeah. So that's it for news. Let's get into uh, episode three of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right. Well, the episode starts with Bucky heading to Berlin to help Zemo escape a maximum security prison. Uh, with let's just say like dollar general level security because that was a little embarrassing how easy it was. But anyway, we'll get more to that later. Anyway, they need his help with their investigation of the super soldier flag smashers. The three of them head to the lawless rogue nation of Madripoor to track down info on the serum. Yeah, and since the place isn't very Avengers friendly, Sam and Bucky need to go full on undercover. Although Bucky's in an undercover disguise isn't that great. He's just playing the winter soldier. Sam, on the other hand, has to dress as a fashion-forward black guy known as Smiling Tiger, which Zemo reminds us, only an American would think a fashion-forward black man is a pimp. (laughs) Their disguises really don't last that long, but honestly longer than I thought they would. Their cover gets blown, and this leads to every bounty hunter in town trying to kill them as they try to find Dr. Nagel, the man responsible for the super soldier serum. Just as it looks like the end for our fearless heroes, they're saved by former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Sharon Carter, who's been off the grid since she stole Captain America's S.H.I.E.L.D. in Civil War. She's been living the high roller life, hustling priceless art and being really salty about heroes in the Avengers. Uh, Carter leads them to Dr. Nagel. We are treated to a wonderful three seconds of Baron Zemo dancing in a club, which we all didn't know that we needed. Sam and Bucky then interrogate Dr. Nagel about the serum before he gets shot by Zemo making his big move. Surprise, the former high-security prisoner who tried to break up the Avengers has an ulterior motive. Meanwhile, Carly, the angsty teen-slash-hoodie-wearing leader of the Flag Smashers, is scoping out a supply depot to rob and retrieve supplies from. The place is owned by the GRC, which we come to learn is the Global Restoration Council, a group convened to reintegrate those who were blipped. 
After stealing the food and supplies, we get a quick glimpse of Carly's violent side as she orders the building to be blown up with people still inside. Even though she's got red curly hair and freckles, she is no little orphan Annie. And across the globe, New Cap and Battlestar have been investigating the Flag Smashers on behalf of the GRC. They're also looking into Zemo's prison break. New Cap immediately knows it's Sam and Bucky, and he's fully prepared to bend the law to get the job done, even if they're showing their lack of skills by being a full day or two behind Sam and Bucky. Hashtag fake cap. Oh, yeah. And Sam and Bucky are still bickering about that shield. They could probably use another round of couples therapy. As the episode ends, we find our new three amigos, our three stooges, maybe Sam, Bucky and Zemo are following a lead to Latvia. While there, Bucky runs into an old friend who's dressed to kill and she's here for Zemo. Wakanda forever. Nice. All right. So initial reactions, gang. Uh, Who wants to go first? Favorite moments? Hmm. Well, I just got to say, this was my favorite episode of the series so far. Episode three. I mean, I don't. I mean, you guys might disagree, but this was definitely my favorite episode that of this series by far. I disagree, but I, you know, plead your case because I, I think you could convince me of why I should like it instead of me being tepid with it. <laughs> Fair. I will say right off the bat, the feeling of the episode did not feel like the first two. I felt more so that I was in a Marvel film this time around than the first two episodes did. I thought it was a mixture almost between the Black Panther film and a classic Captain America film. I felt that that was the atmosphere that was trying to be portrayed for what became some more obvious reasons. But I just I just felt like very inside this episode, very invested. I didn't feel a connection to the first two episodes and it kind of was putting me off. Not that I didn't like it, but it just wasn't like resonating with me. And this episode did that. Yeah, I'm somewhere between the two of you. Yeah, I kind of I agree with you, Bridget, because I think it was like I really liked that it was spy thrillery. Like it kind of reminded me of Civil War in that way. But I thought they might have been they might have done it even a little better than that because it has the you know the tv yeah, i think format. the tv format is what threw me off a little bit is because and I, I respect it that it's a tv show and not a movie and there's a lot of people watching it who maybe don't have all the knowledge but there was a ton of expositing like so yes. many of the characters were just explaining a, you know 10 years of history in like three sentences and it just felt very clunky and it kind of pulled me out now and again um so you know that was probably my issue with it um well it's I, it's the famous you, it's the famous third episode setup for the roller coaster to go downhill because this is remember this is only going to be midpoint. six episodes midpoint so they're setting up for the roller coaster ride down so mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't hate this episode I didn't love it it was it was right there in the middle for a good setup I think mm-hmm. there was things I did love about it though I, th- what stood out to me the most was it was gorgeous the the filming at night the the cities yeah. what, what where's the first city they're in in um. Madripoor. Uh, Madripoor. Madripoor. Uh, I'm going to reference the name of the director of photography, PJ Dillon. They used the same cinematographer for this entire show. And I love seeing that. It's only six episodes. They're hour long. Uh, and the fact that they use the same, you know, typically a lot of sh- TV shows will do this, though. They'll have like a main director of photography for the whole run. So he has done Vikings. He has done Game of Thrones. Uh, he has like a really long li- a t- list of TV shows, um, which I'll tell you, like, this guy is very talented. Uh uh, yeah. uh, like most, if you look at the work he's done, is pretty impressive. But also, this episode really for me was like that was the sweet spot. And can I say how much I enjoyed seeing people at a club dancing, like, <laughs> and and this you know it, and the scene where um what's uh uh dressed as smiling tiger, uh, Sam has to eat that egg. Like I've been to you know Ho Chi Minh City where they that's like kind of what happens when you go to some of these restaurants. They just like give you weird things to try. And I was a little disappointed in him that he didn't, you know, uh pull that <laughs> off better. But but yeah, so you know those things I liked about the episode, but I'll say yeah, it was I feel like Norm, it was kind of mid range for me. I was gonna say that was like my that was my favorite line uh from the episode where Sam is like trying not to blow his cover and the bartender is like the usual. <laughs> He's like, yeah, and he sets it down in front of him. He well, to set the scene, he like he grabs a snake from behind the bar cuz that's just a regular thing that people keep behind the bar here. <laughs> he guts it. He pulls out its heart, its organ, some kind of a piece. Split, whatever <laughs> organ, fresh bit of offal or whatever and throws it into a shot glass with alcohol to you know to wash it down i guess 
and Sam is like just like very and again this is why I thought they were going to blow their their disguises way earlier because he looked so uncomfortable he was not hiding it well and he just looks at it and he's like I love these before <laughs> taking the shot. That was my favorite yeah, line. Yeah, you know, my favorite spot about this whole entire uh, episode was definitely finally getting to see Sharon Carter cut loose and actually show that she has some skills. Because mm-hmm. in the comic books, she is ranked right up there with like just right below Black Widow in terms of fighting skills and, and uh, fighting prowess. So to see her take on all those uh, mercenaries and just clean everyone's clock was so refreshing to see. Really well done, too, those action scenes. Honestly, uh, yeah. Well, it's funny that you just said that about her skills being up to par as Black Widow, because so what happens in that scene is when Sam, Bucky, and Zemo go into find Dr. Nigel, she is like outside defending all these bounty hunters that are coming after him, and it's her against mm-hmm. like tons of people. And a lot of the shots that they were doing, like the above head of her, like on top of these guys and like pulling them to the ground, reminded me a lot of the action fights with Black Widow, you know, when she first takes down, like, the troop in uh, Iron Man 2, and then again in Civil War when they're in the market, I thought it was very similar. And, I mean, she I mean, she got a great I, – I just thought that this was a moment that she deserved that's been coming for her. Yes, like, exactly. To be able to show her raw, pure strength was amazing. It was so cool. And also, wow, Sharon Carter is cynical AF. Wow, I loved well, it. Wouldn't you be after being left, yeah. to, you know, left to hang? I love that that change. I I wasn't expecting it. I guess you could say. I mean, I guess we should have because you mm-hmm. know she kind of just got ousted and had to leave the United States abruptly. And then she had her would be boyfriend uh, start dating her aunt back in yeah. time. That's that's a little. <laughs> I'd be salty too. Thanksgiving's definitely going to be awkward. Well, I just think sometimes there's not enough cynicism in the MCU. Otherwise, it's usually just comes from the villains. Or, you know, people who have wronged. But this is someone who's been wronged that was on the other side of the playing field. And now she's just kind of stuck. It's just kind of like a middleman. And I just thought that was awesome. I loved how they brought her character back. I think they used her very well. It feels just like she really comes for everyone. And and she's not going to apologize about it. And and the fact that she's dealing art, like stolen art, that drop, that like all the stuff in the the museums are fake. I love those little details are good. I appreciate that. That was cracking me up. And it's like, what would a spy do, a super spy do who's like, you know, living on on the land? Obviously, the action sequence of her finding these bounty hunters was awesome. And I mentioned earlier that I thought this episode reminded me a lot of Black Panther. But when they got to Madripoor... For me, it was a mixture, but you're going to make fun of me, but it was a mixture between like the Guardians of the Galaxy and then like the Mandalorian. Because mm-hmm. like in the Mandalorian, they're all bounty hunters. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, it's sort of, the, it's the same deal. And I just like, I just love when like universes sort of like combine a little bit. And I just thought it was awesome. Um, and just to clarify, it did not twerk me. Okay. <laughs> uh, nothing about this episode twerked me. Um, <laughs> uh, I loved it. I I am a huge fan of this episode, and honestly, it, up until this point, uh, I, I mean, I was really struggling to get into this series, but now I am like pumped for the next three episodes. Like, absolutely pumped. I have a, I have a question though. Do we think they'll bring back uh, uh, Sharon Carter again, in or is this it? Is this it for her role? Mm, in the series? No, they have to. No, I I think she's it. coming back. I mean. Right at the end of that that scene, you see her getting into a car and saying, "I'll explain to you what's going on." So she was if, talking. If she to... doesn't come back, I will be very upset because I was looking forward to her character more than almost any other ones besides like the leads in this. And so I really hope we see more of her. Oh, I have a theory about this coming up later. So oh, stick okay. stick around into stick the spoilers, around. and I I will I will throw out a theory there. I'm just gonna say, Matchapur does look really sick. Um, I I haven't seen the Mandalorian, so I can't I can't vouch for that. But what, uh, but I, I see what you're saying with Guardians of the Galaxy, like that neon feel. I got some real heavy Night City vibes too from Cyberpunk. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, it was very pretty. Was there anything else about this episode that you liked, Emilia? Um, lots of things actually. But I want since we were kind of talking about it already, I wanted to bring up like how violent it was. It was super violent. Um more than usual for an MCU for like an MCU type thing like that scene where the thing that stands out the most to me was like when Bucky straight up threw a pipe through (laughs) someone's shoulder I love that yeah that was crazy just ripped it right off the storage container and launched it 
did anyone else get like John Wick vibes from this episode? <laughs> yeah. I started yeah. to just with just like the level of violence and the action sequences. Um, well, you referenced that, that it was filmed was like my Black, take, like the Black Widow, and I'll say that like that definitely that yeah. that style of action with like super quick cutting, super fast, you know, um, you know, doing all this flip around moves and gunplay, like it definitely was seemed very similar to John Wick, but I do feel like that's kind of what's happening in the action world. Is those films are so impactful that now most people are chasing that, you know, that kind of choreography and how to like film and 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 present these. Uh, action scenes which I'm for like I'm all for it because I think it's super dynamic and it definitely elevates the action obviously we were already introduced to Sharon Carter but this episode also brought back Zemo even though we saw him at the end of episode two we get to see him again Zemo and was so I great. did forget yeah he's a baron he's rich apparently we do learn that Sokovian royalty um, but I we just sidestep yeah, that explanation yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, last week I referred to him as Baron Zemo, and I, I felt like a little weird about that because they hadn't quite established that yet. So it was nice to finally get them to to bring that in. Also, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I absolutely loved the beginning of this where he's talking to Bucky and Bucky's like, what are you reading? And he was reading Machiavelli because let's face it, if there's yeah, one Machiavellian character in this mm-hmm. show, it is Zemo. That was I was like, yo, that is like the most edgy high school I'm an intellectual move I've ever seen but I will say I also loved his costume his ridiculous high furry collar was like just my favorite thing and I really hope he keeps wearing it yeah I'm really glad they busted him out of uh cookieville minimum security orphanarium yeah and that that's kind of what bothered me about that episode but I got why they had to do it because it's like they had to move that story forward quickly so of course, he just kind of like magically escapes. But um, yeah, the the introduction of Zemo and having him as a, a kind of a lead character in this, I I like it for what they're doing with Marvel. And, you know, it's it's a throwback in my eyes to Loki. Like he was one of my favorite characters because he was, you know, you were questioning what his motives were. You were never sure exactly where he was coming from. And I get that now with Zemo. And I think it's a good addition for the story. It really adds extra tension to uh, all the different characters. I genuinely forgot that by the end of Civil War, when you learn, you know, why he was trying to break the Avengers up. I remember, like, how much I felt for him as a character. Like, going into this, I was like, oh, Zemo, like, we don't like him. And then I remembered that, like, he had his whole family taken away from him in a tragic – and when the Sokovia fell, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just I – for, I forgot, like, how much I felt for him as a character. And just like Luca just said, he's like Loki. Mm-hmm. Like, you right. feel for him so much. It's the character that you, like, love to hate – like, you hate to love uh, mm-hmm. and love to hate. Like, it's just one of those situations. Yeah, when you really think about the Marvel movies, all the really good ones had a villain that you actually felt something for. You didn't hate Thanos for his uh, reasoning behind the snap. You just hated him for the snap. Yeah, I get it. You you know, you... you, Yeah, you're you're not wrong. You're just an (laughs) a-hole. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's what was going on with all the great ones. Black Panther, with uh, Civil War, uh, both Infinity War and Endgame. You know, you have these villains that... You like, yeah, I feel for the reasoning why you're doing this. I just don't like the method. Yeah, I think Black Panther had, yeah. was the best with that. But, yes. um, yeah, but the, the idea being that this episode, you know, this is, I'm coming around to liking it more, even though I still think it's not the best one, it's flawed. But I do agree that ha- having Sharon Carter be so cynical, like, and then also having Zemo be in it, who's kind of, you're not, you know, you're like, I kind of like them. Uh, it does add complexity to the whole Marvel universe and to the series. So I think they did achieve some good things in this episode. And I'm, I think Norm put his finger on it though at the beginning. The reason why it kind of was like feels middling for me is because we don't know where the story's going. They're setting up for the 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 big uh, roller coaster drop. So I might go back and revisit this series and turn out I actually love this episode because now I know where what they're setting up. Anyway. I did get a moment in this episode that, like, I sort of asked for the last time we had this podcast, but not necessarily with the characters I wanted it to be. Okay, so what happened is when they're on the airplane with Zemo, Bucky, Sam, and Zemo, Zemo says something to Bucky that, like, triggers him. And so all of a sudden, the camera shot is on Zemo, and then we get the Winter Soldier hand shot out and reaches, and Bucky, like, starts to, he grabs Zemo's throat and, like, threatens him. Guys, that's all I wanted to happen. That vibranium arm comes out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty, it's pretty badass. I wanted that 
headshot to fake Cap. That's all I wanted. That's what I wanted last week when they were sitting in the Jeep. You still might get your wish before this series is over. Yeah. I know. I know. I just was like, I wanted this, but not quite that way. (laughs) So is there anything, any other major points we want to hit on before we move on? Do we want to talk about that surprise cameo there at the end? Let's do it. Yeah, I... The fashion. Oh, like my God. I said, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Well, like I said, this m- episode in the, right off the bat in the beginning, my sister and I looked at each other and said, does this remind you of Black Panther at all? And she was like, yeah. And then we started getting more Black Panther vibes as the episode went on. And then. Boom. Bam. Bucky. Bucky takes a detour once he sees one of the uh, the orbs that. Uh, mean, I think you mean Detective det- Buck, not just Bucky. <laughs> he finds one of those orbs and starts. Starts following the breadcrumbs uh, back to uh, Ali, and then there's Io, one of the uh, Black Panther royal guards. It's like a soldier. Um, th- yeah, Didn't she- that yeah. feel like such a comic book ending too? Like one one of the things that did stick out to me about this this episode is it felt very much structured and looked like a comic book. And that final shot of the of her standing in the alleyway was just it, it looked like a, they tore a page out of the comic book and just like put it on the screen. Can Can I say the only thing that bothered me about that that last shot? Was the fact that he did the turnaround, mm-hmm. and you were expecting her to be there, and then he had to turn around again? I was like, okay, now we're now we're getting a little bit into uh, <laughs> like parody area with this. Mm-hmm. See, I I liked that. I liked that shot because to me it was like a good transition. They would like turning, turning. All right, no one's behind him, and then they turn the camera back, back. Oh my gosh, no one's still there, and then you know someone big is about to pop up. So I mean. I, I I was getting really hyped for this, and then all of a sudden, turn, 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 and then it's like, oh my gosh, Wakanda just landed in the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. Like this is fantastic, uh, and I think it's awesome because I wanted to explore that part of Bucky more because he, yeah. you know, he became the White Wolf and was in Wakanda for a good period of time, you know, to kind of heal his mind and get like all that Hydra stuff out. And I want to know more about that. Like what actually happened there? Because all of a sudden the poor guy, he's like on vacation and then Infinity War, like the war comes straight to him and he doesn't really get, like it's just such a like harsh, like transition back into the the world. Uh, He was on vacation, now he's in a war. So, and then he gets blipped. So, you know, he's like, I should have stayed in bed. Right. So with that mild spoiler, are we ready to head into our Easter eggs and theories section? Or does anybody have anything else to bring up? No, I want to hear what you have to say about uh, Sharon Carter, because this is going to bother me. Okay. uh, Okay. Well, let's let's unpack some Easter eggs first. Yeah, this is your spoiler alert. By the way, before we get into the Easter eggs and theories, I want to remind everyone that this is spoiler alert territory. If you want to skip these spoilers, just skip ahead a little bit. Okay, so Smiling Tiger is a villain from the comic books. Uh, Sam is asked to portray him. He actually becomes a Thunderbolt later on, which is another uh, superhero team, I guess you want to say. Not really. Uh, it's superhero team called the Thunderbolts. It's uh, you know what? To to Thunderbolts. be Thunderbolts. <laughs> Thunderbolts. Are they a team oh, or are they a band? They they are a team, and they are mildly compared to the Suicide Squad, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, another one, uh, Madripoor in general is a very famous place in the comics. Lucas, I'm pretty sure you are aware of it because it is very Wolverine heavy territory. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you got that. The bar that they go to is straight from the comics as well. It's called the Bronze Monkey. I think in later, sometimes it's called the Brass Monkey, but uh, in most of the comics, it's the Bronze Monkey. Selby, the person they meet at the backside of the Bronze Monkey, is a mutant, actually. So... Curious to see... We're getting into X-Men territory? Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if that's going to lead to anything. Finally, um, I'm sad that she died. Uh, spoiler alert! Yeah, but I I liked her. Yeah. Um. Just so you know, in the comics, it's actually a guy. So, um, that that's a little different. But yeah, I still think the actress who was playing her did an absolutely fantastic job in that scene. Yeah, good casting on that. Yeah. I just was really happy to see like someone portrayed as like a villain like that to be a female. I really I really like that. I don't think that actually happens like too often now like in a lot of action f- films and the mcu's like being being better about that but i was excited for that because i was like you know fully expecting like a man you know the power broker when they went upstairs uh sure. and then it was a female and i was like oh this is dope yeah 
Yeah. And I appreciated that she just like has like the power is just implicit with her. You know, there is no like she's not like, oh, I'm like a I'm like a sexy villainess. You know, she is like, I'm a villain. I own the bar. I got all these goons. You know, you're not getting out of here alive if you cross me. Yeah. And uh, just to finally pin that one completely, her mutant power is supposedly she talks to machines. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I want to bring this up. If anybody noticed, the uh, 1K reward for bringing in the bounty on Sam, Bucky, and Zemo is actually 1K Bitcoin, which I looked up and is roughly $60 million. So quite a hefty sum there. A lot of Bitcoin. <laughs> but how much is Bitcoin worth in 2023? Ooh. Well, I'm just going by today's standards. Oh. <laughs> Good question. And then... Uh, Another one that I found that I actually liked a lot was uh, the scene where Bucky and Sam are getting into the supercharger with Zemo driving. And when Sam gets in the back seat, he says to Bucky, you're not going to move your seat up, are you? And Bucky's like, nope. And that was a callback to Civil War when the tables were turned. I thought that was great. That was a great callback. Yeah, that was a, that was a long one. I have. So there's there's two callbacks that I have. One of them, not so much a callback. The other one is so. In the beginning of the episode, we see um, fake Cap in an interaction uh, with someone who was housing the Flag Smashers. And I noticed this, and I I don't know if he did it in earlier episodes, but fake Cap swears. Now, if you folks don't remember, real Captain America does not swear. And it's actually a running gag throughout the MCU uh, when other Avengers swear. And it's my favorite, one of my favorite lines. I have it on a sticker on my water bottle right here is, for gosh sakes, watch your language. And Steve says that to Tony when he says, uh, when he swears when well, they're in was a fight. Was it just that? Or I thought and you just said language. 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 Well, then yeah. well, he does say language too. Oh, no. And for gosh sakes, watch your language was Tony yes, mocking that was, Steve. I got that was. wrong. But it's a whole thing. So like Real Cap doesn't swear. He swears once and it's like a whole thing. So all of a sudden, fake Cap is like swearing up a storm. I'm like, what the heck? You're not supposed to swear. Like, what? That's how you know he's a bad guy because he cusses. Yeah. I was like, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with that. And it was funny because I was watching it and I turned to my sister and I was like, he's swearing. (laughs) Do you see this? He's swearing. Not only that, but yeah, he's like, don't you know who I am? Steve never Steve never had to utter those words. No. He is so, he's very insecure. Also, I said this in an earlier podcast when we were talking about the notebook that Bucky was writing down his amends in of people he wanted to make amends with through Hydra. And we thought it was like, it was just like Steve's notebook. Uh, It is Steve's notebook, we find out, uh, that had his whole list of things that he needed to do in the modern century, which, you know, one of them was watch Star Wars, listen to Marvin Gaye, uh, and a bunch of other different like Pop culture things he he missed. Did you hear that, Emilia? Watch Star Wars. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I need a notebook too. But I I love that they made the callback to talking about Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man, and everyone's like getting on uh, Bucky's case about about not like immediately gushing and loving it. And I was just sort of like, yeah, that's fair. I would probably say that to Bucky too. He's just like. It's like I listened to it; it was good, and everyone's like, "It's good." Like, <laughs> I, I love Zemo's reaction about this. Is like, it's truly a masterpiece. Yeah. And and Sam wants to hate everything about Zemo, but in this moment, <laughs> he can't because he knows he's right, and he's like, can't help "Yeah, <laughs> you're out of line." But it was kind of interesting because we got to see how much Bucky has changed in his time since you know, like not being the Winter Soldier anymore. And this episode, when they bring Zemo back, he sort of has to, he's like disguising as the Winter Soldier. And you see a lot of like his old like habits, sure. you know, making a presence. Yeah, and, in, and you can see Sam's uncomfortable just, about that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, But it shows Bucky's restraint and how much he's grown of to not be the Winter Soldier anymore, and I think that is very impressive. And honestly, the haircut's an improvement. In my yes, I, the long the long hair wasn't working. Well. <laughs> I do no, like the short hair. Wasn't working the long hair. I kind of like. I actually kind of like the Winter Soldier hair. <laughs> well, good. We can all agree that would uh, be awful. Uh, <laughs> but Marvin Gaye does rule, so you guys should all. <laughs> yeah, Marvin Gaye does rule. That's absolutely true. And it was it was interesting too because. And I wondered about this when he, when Bucky first encountered Zemo and Zemo started saying his code words, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, like activate the Winter Soldier and nothing was happening. Like Bucky 
was not reacting to them. Such a Zemo move. Yeah, but also I was like, oh, like I was I was wondering if that was going to be a thing. Like if he again another Machiavellian moment because he was he he knew the words weren't going to work, but he wanted to see his reaction to it just to see like if those old wounds cut deep or whatnot. And I thought that was great to wind him up. Yeah, and I also. I also this was something I liked, but at the same time I didn't like because it felt a little forced. Um, when Zemo puts on his balaclava finally and has the classic uh, comic book <laughs> look, mm-hmm. it it was he looks like a Bond villain. Yeah, it, but it, but it was like cool to have that callback. It just felt forced because he only did it for like what thirty <laughs> seconds. Yeah, yeah. Was, come on. I, oh, actually, you know what? I just want to mention this too. The music in the episode, I really liked the music. Yeah, that was like popping up throughout the episode, like kind of like old school. A lot of great callbacks. Yeah, I just really I really enjoyed that. Um, Yeah, I just enjoyed that in general. I don't know if there's a prediction or theory, but like, do we think there's any chance that like Bucky kind of reverts back in his progress a little or or gets a little winter soldiery, but not just pretend? I've been waiting for that to happen, actually, where it turns out there's like some secret code word that they didn't scrub fully and it's going to like turn him for and there's going to be a fight between him and Falcon for a bit so that's my prediction but you know who knows let's see what they do because in the beginning when he was talking to Zemo at the start and Zemo's like looking into his eyes he's like I still see a little bit of you in there Mm -hmm. and then like you could see the actual feel like first of all the Winter Soldier like a little that little theme plays that was cute and then he has true fear in his eyes. Like that was very well acted. Hmm. I wanna I made an, a point about this and I don't know if Norm has a better answer. So obviously what ticked Bucky off a lot in the last episode with Fake Cap is that Fake Cap kept referring to him as Bucky. Uh like they were friends, which they clearly were not, because Bucky's like a nickname. And Zemo refers to Bucky as James. And so I wondered if that was a thing, like Zemo actually sort of respects Bucky in I- a way. Or is it just kind of like his personality? I don't know if he respects him. I, I think he doesn't like the Winter Soldier persona, so why would you bring it up? So just address him as, you know, James. It's 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 clinical almost. It's like it's too clean and more more villainous if you ask me to call him James instead of Bucky. That's true. Okay. Good point. I just like I, I heard that and I was like, huh, like that's kind of interesting. You could also call him the bionic staring machine. That's his other name, <laughs> officially. Yeah, I like that. I do like that. There was there was something I saw at the on the end titles that I didn't see the last two times, but I, I noticed it this time. In the end title scene, there's a graphic with new Cap's uniform, and it's ripped, and there's a layer underneath it. And as it moves, like one way, the top layer is going to the right, and the bottom layer is going to the left. As the left side peels over, you see the Captain America shield. But then there's a fuse on it, and it looks like a cartoon bomb. And I, I see that as foreshadowing for the fact that John Walker is going to go off. Like, he, he is a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. And you see it in this episode. You see it at oh, the yeah. beginning where They're he planting get, the seeds. Uh, and every, I think every episode you get a little more of it. For yeah, sure. for sure. And I thought that was interesting. And I know that, you know, like, fake capped is not real cap, and they have much different moral philosophies on everything. But right at the end of the episode is when I really got into this. So, like, obviously, Steve Rogers, like, was against, like, the the Sokovia Accords, and he was, like, all anti-establishment. But he, like, broke the rules to do what was right. Like, that's that was, like, it it was, like, he was morally doing the right thing in his mind. And something that I noticed about John Walker is, like, at the end of the episode, is, like, he's also willing to break the rules, but to win, not to do what's right to yeah, win. That's that's something I also noticed. The whole like um, basically the ends justify the means in the comic books. That's that's definitely not a very Captain America thing to do, or not a very Steve Rogers thing to do. So again, we're getting another shot of John Walker. That's definitely not Captain America. I have I think just like two more things to say before we wrap up, and then um, we'll head into our closing, but. One is just a take. Um, I kind of, and I am curious to hear what other people think. I am starting to feel that the Avengers are uh, just, uh, at least the current Avengers in this show are just a bunch of meatheads because they are getting really easily played by villains like Zemo. Um, they keep just trusting him when he, it was like so obvious in when he escaped, when he shot the scientist 
by the way, they still trust him after he shoots Dr. Nagel. And then he like goes off for a couple of minutes. He puts on this mask. Uh, he's still wearing his iconic like high collar Bond villain sweater thing or jacket thing. And he goes around with the mask on shooting people. They can see him. They can see that it's him. And then he just like does a quick little like changeroo, rips off the mask, rolls up in a car and they're like, where have you been? And it's like, they're such jocks. That's, you know. Well, they are the second stringers. You know, this isn't the the original Avengers. This is like the replacements, man. So I like that about it. They're still dealing with real life stuff, too. You know, Sam gets a phone call from his sister in the middle of a, a... And basically an interrogation run. That's another thing. What's going on with the boat? Why are they keeping us waiting about this very important plot point? That'll be the payoff at the end. Yeah. <laughs> the last shot of the whole series will be the Bucky and him catching shrimp on the boat. And one of them is going to turn to the other and say, we need a bigger boat. Nice. <laughs> I would love that. Spoiler alert. Before we go any further, I want to re-remind people that this is a big spoiler, maybe potential spoiler since uh, this is just a theory of mine. Uh, but you guys wanted to talk about the Sharon Car- my Sharon Carter theory. And this actually goes back yes. to the Thunderbolts. See, uh, we do know for a fact that the Secretary of Defense, General uh, Ross, who, if anybody doesn't realize, he was the one who was in, in favor of the Sokovia Accords and getting all the Avengers to sign, and then who ordered War Machine to arrest Captain America at the middle point of Infinity War. So in it, uh, General Ross is actually a main protagonist or antagonist of the Incredible Hulk. And he, because that was actually the love interest, um, his daughter was the love interest of the Incredible Hulk. And so he actually forms this team, which is very comparable to the Suicide Squad, hence why they're called the Thunderbolts, because his name was General Thunderbolt Ross. So I actually think Sharon Carter's working for him, because she's obviously working for someone at the end there as she gets in the, the car. And I have a funny feeling, because we've seen several or mentioned several Thunderbolts since this series started, mm-hmm. and including WandaVision, actually. Um, we have... We already know that Thunderbolt Ross exists. Zemo at one point becomes a Thunderbolt. Crossbones, who was the bad guy in Captain America Winter Soldier, and then at the very beginning of Civil War, he was a Thunderbolt, although he's gone. And then you also have the mention of Smiling Tiger. These are all Thunderbolts. And, you know, at some point, John Walker as U.S. agent, becomes a Thunderbolt. So I have a funny feeling at the end of this, they're probably going to go down that route. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm convinced, yeah. Oh, no. That's actually really interesting. Well, also, I was wondering if Ross was going to show back up because, I mean, he was alive at the end of Endgame. Yeah, and I, th- I think he's uh, actually on the cast list. we haven't had any mention of him since. I think he's on the cast list. So wow. I, this, is, this is another reason why that, that theory is floating for me. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be interesting if he showed back up. I, and I was wondering if he would, because, I mean, this is like this would be his wheelhouse of everything they're dealing yeah. with. There, there was also another part uh, in this that got me thinking about a theory I made last week that I said is more of a speculation right now. And that was of Carly maybe being related to the Red Skull. There is a moment where Zemo says, I very much want to meet this Carly Morgenthau. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he knows every he knows that. everything about Hydra. Does he know this that nobody else knows, and that's why he wants to meet her, or is it just because she has the super soldier serum? I think it's more no, the former. I, I think than there's the latter. more going on there. I picked up on that when he said that. I was like, yeah, I think he knows who that who Carly really is. Oh, I want to know about that. Yeah, that would be really cool if there was a connection there. That would be really sick. Yeah. So lots lots coming up in the next three episodes before the series ends. So I think we've covered it all, unless anyone has any any final details. All right. Well, if you out there in the audience, if you want to tell us your theories, tell us that we missed something. I'm sure we did. If you want to ask us questions, be sure to do so on our Twitter page at The Versecast. And be sure to follow our site at Screen Raider on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Uh, you can follow me, uh, Emilia, at... Emilia Yu on Twitter, E-M-I-L-I-A-Y-U. And where can we follow you, Norm? You can follow me at random underscore white guy on Twitter. 
You can follow me at Luconian Logic. That's L-U-K-O-N-I-A-N Logic on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can follow me at Bridget Brogan 16 on Twitter and on Instagram with the same handle. And you can follow our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, on Twitter at FilmSnork. Uh, last we heard, he was actually starting a new podcast uh, called The Converse uh, that's going to be about sneakers, I think. So, you know, make sure you look for that. This is totally not uh, a very, very belated April Fool's joke. I promise if you search The Converse podcast, you won't be disappointed. Okay. He's just dipping his toe in the water there. Yep. Might not work out. We'll see. I think I hear our music, which means it's time to wrap up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time in The Verse, which I guess will be never. So goodbye. (laughs) The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kuzakowski. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm going to embarrass myself so much. I have a hidden talent, guys, that I want to share with you all, okay? Okay. Now, I'm going to close my eyes to do this so you don't think I'm cheating. All right? Yes, you guys can I, I see can me. See Let's go. Yeah. All right? Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> we are confirming right. for the audience that Bridget has her eyes closed. <laughs> okay. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. E-D-C-B-A. <laughs> that was impressive, I will say. I, I've never understood why that was used as a sobriety test. But that's kind of hard. I just like, I hope I remembered all the words and letters. <laughs> How many times did you practice that growing up? Or was that just like a one-time thing? You're um, like, hey, I can do this and without any trouble. Is this just something yeah, to do with your photographic memory? Yes, because I literally just envision the alphabet, and then in my head I'm looking at it like on a line, and I just go down and say it backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's very confirmed. Very Bridget weird. was not drunk during the recording. Of this Honestly, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. There you go. I can say the alphabet backwards, guys. That's my superpower. Amazing.